If I'm in a cranky mood, bad mood, if I'm irritable, my whole family, almost in unison, says, Mom, (laughs) Carolyn, you need to go for a run. The heaviest I've ever been in my life is the year that I ran my first marathon. (laughs) So now this is one of my huge crusades of like, you know, Yes, running burns a lot of calories, but so much of our body composition success is actually determined in the kitchen. That was Carolyn Coffin, and this is episode one of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Today, I am talking with my Inspired Souls co-host, Carolyn Coffin. Carolyn spent the first three decades of her life dabbling in road running before finally getting hooked in 2011. Since then, she has excelled at every distance from 5K to the half marathon with the odd marathon attempt. A former physiotherapist with an educational background in kinesiology, Carolyn has operated her own health coaching practice since 2012 where she also coaches recreational road runners. Carolyn lives in Winnipeg, Manitoba with her military spouse and two children, ages 10 and 12, all of whom share her love of running. Please enjoy my conversation with Carolyn Coffin. Thanks for being the first guest, official guest on our podcast, if you can be a guest of your own podcast. (laughs) I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, so what we're going to do is just... just, um, get to know you a little bit more as a runner. And I want you to tell us a bit of your story with regards to running and how it has inspired your soul. So let's start out with, um, I'd like to know how you describe yourself as a runner. I I love everything about the whole process of running. So it's, it's not like, Oh, I just like to race or I just like to train. Like I really like the whole package. So I I'm super committed, dedicated to my training. I I typically follow it fairly, fairly to a T, but I am, I am intuitive. I listen to my body. I take days off if I need to, that kind of thing. So I enjoy the entire process of, of training, but then I'm also competitive a little bit with, with mostly with myself or with you know training training partners that are are sort of similar in caliber to me or in races I do that competitive side of me definitely you make that sound like it's a bad thing <laughs> no I do I think it's a good thing because I I can do, because it's channeled properly like I would never get competitive with somebody who's just started out with running or I don't care to compare myself to people that are are way better than me as a runner, you know? So it, I, I think it's a, a pretty healthy competitiveness. Running can bring out different attributes about ourselves. Sometimes it brings out our best selves. Sometimes it brings out parts of ourselves that we um, are, cover up in other parts of our lives. So give me like, how, how has run, running brought out the best of you? And then what characteristics might not be so great with regards to running. Here's what my family will say. If I'm in a cranky mood, bad mood, if I'm irritable, my whole family almost in unison says, "Mom, <laughs> Carolyn, you need to go out for a run." So I think awesome. running in in that sense levels me out. It's like a complete stress reliever. I come back a completely different person to 
to give in whatever capacity uh, is needed in my life as a mother, as a, you know, in my job or whatever it is. So I think in that way, uh, I, I don't know where I would be without running it. It, it brings out the best of me. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there any way uh, where you have to keep yourself in check with regards to running? Yeah, so I, I do, um, I do keep a running log, like a pretty detailed running log. On I just have an Excel spreadsheet, so I, I record everything that I've done, and I have to check myself sometimes because I can get a little bit type A, OCD, I'm not sure what you want to call it, about my mileage. <laughs> and I have to keep myself in check and remember that it's not always about my mileage. A lot of the times I might be in like a, a speed block or a, a speed phase of my training and really I, I shouldn't be bothering to look at my mileage that much. But when I come back, honestly, the the best part of, of coming back from any run is like, recording my run in in this uh, in Excel spreadsheet. And I don't just record my distance. I record like how I felt and what route I went on and my energy levels and motivation level. Like I record a, a bunch of stuff so I can always sort of look back and easily recall what it was about that day or also look back for, for trends. Like if I'm getting an injury or something, I can, oh, right. Okay. That I can see more clearly as I go back and reflect. Which is but, a good thing. Yeah, I yeah. think it is a good thing, but just that like, ooh, yay, I'm home and I get to like put this run into my into my running log seems like maybe a, it's a little bit of a dark side of, uh, <laughs> of my personality, which is just a little bit type A. Well, you wouldn't be alone in that regard. Um, <laughs> I have been known to run around the parking lot a few times so that my run ends exactly on zero, yeah. zero. <laughs> well, I'd be lying if that hasn't happened to me too. <laughs> All right. So now that we have a bit of an idea of your personality and your the the type of runner that you are, let's let's hear a little bit more about your running background. Um, your your earliest memories of running, and then tell us a bit about your running journey. So I grew up in Brockville, Ontario, a really small town, and every spring there was the YMCA put on an event. And I think there was a 5k and a 10k, but we always as kids did the 5k and I'm talking like seven, eight, like young, um, years old. And so 5k is a pretty long way for it a is. seven or eight year old. And we didn't hide for this. Like we might've gone out a couple times as it was looming, you know, in April or May, I forget when it was, but, uh, every year that race would just kick my butt. Like I would finish it. I never didn't finish, but I would come across the finish line, just red, like cherry tomato face. I would wanted to just like throw up and, and completely die at the end every single year. It never got better. Even though my times did improve, um, that feeling of like, oh, this feels awful was, was my reality each year. So I can't even believe that <laughs> that I'm a runner to this day with with such a rocky start. Well, they do say the pleasure and pain centers of the brain are very close together. So <laughs> yeah, really. and I think it was just like, like I said, my time did get better, and and I could sort of see progress happening, even though it didn't really feel great. Um, definitely wasn't love at first sight, but that there was something about like, hey, I, I'm getting better at this. I'm getting better at this. That really hooked me in, I think, from an early age, even though, um, 
you know, we can talk about this too, is it was really decades later that I would even have considered myself a runner. I, I took a couple decades hiatus and uh, went into other sports um, just because of, I think that negative experience right off the get-go, but there was something about running that just always drew me back. So, so then what, how, how did you eventually become a runner that's running really successfully as a master's athlete now? Well, so, uh, like I said, I, I dabbled in other sports mostly for all of my elementary high school. I was gymnastics was my main sport. So I was always big into gymnastics and then school sports. And it wasn't really until I went to university, I needed a way to manage my weight actually in that freshman year at university. And I, it's embarrassing to say, as I look back, but I, I did look at one of those calorie burning charts and I saw running was right up at the top, you know, like I could burn 700 calories an hour. And I, so I, I started to convince myself that I liked running when really all of my experiential data would say, no, 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 you don't like running. But I was like, no, but it's going to burn a lot of calories. It's going to keep my, my weight in check. And so I went to running in university. I sort of slogged my way through it again, never had any proper instruction or training. And I was doing it really just to, to, drop pounds. And the irony is that the heaviest I've ever been in my life is the year that I ran my first marathon. <laughs> so wow. now this is one of my huge crusades of like, you know, yes, running burns a lot of calories, but so much of our body composition success is actually determined in the kitchen. Like it's determined by what we eat, not how many calories we expend every day. And I guess I just had to learn that lesson the hard way. Well, and I know you feel very passionately about this, you know, using running as your reason to eat well, not your excuse to eat something, right? Exactly. Yes. And uh, many runners, and we've all been there, right? We've all had those post-run indulgences where we feel they're justified because we've just done a run. But when that adds up over, you know, years, um, And and it's also kind of part of the culture of running. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've noticed that too, but it's like, you know, you do the run and then you go out to eat or you, you check out what's being offered in the, um, after a race, you know, and it's just like bagels and, uh, rice crispy squares and, and lots of, you know, glorified junk food. And the the underlying message is you deserve it. You ran today, you know, so it's hard to be too hard on ourselves about that because it just, you know, is it infiltrates really everything um, that we've ever been taught. Yeah. If you think it's bad in the road running culture, try the ultra culture. I bet. <laughs> Where there are literal buffets at aid stations and yeah. everybody goes out for burgers and a beer after a run, right? Yeah. Like that's just the way it is. Um, yeah. Okay. So how has your relationship with running, Carolyn, evolved over time? So you obviously have grown tremendously as a runner since though that freshman year of college. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So I, I ran that marathon in the year 2000 and then I kind of just hung up the running shoes and <laughs> sort of went back to my, my baseline relationship with running, which was just to do the, the odd local race here and there um, until about, I think it was about 2011 and I did a race. I did a 10K uh, in the spring in 2011. And I think it was like 48 minutes or something like that in the 10K. And I I was talking with my brother and my brother's a, 
like an exceptional lifelong runner. So I, I this is what I grew up beside. And I actually think in some ways I avoided running because in our family, running was his thing, you know, all of our life. And he was just so good at it, like from a really early age that I think I just sort of said, okay, well, running's for Kevin and my thing will be gymnastics or whatever. So anyway, anyhow, in 2011, when I ran this race, or it might've been 2010, I can't remember, but I said to him, like, do you ever think that I could run faster than a a 48 minute 10k like what do you think I could ever like if I trained properly do you think I could do a 45 minute 10k and he was like yeah and and meanwhile he's watching from the outside probably shaking his head at what I'm doing like my training had no structure to it Uh, I just went out every time I went out maybe two or three times a week and ran the same half hour loop like in the no man's land gray zone of of training that's not really working my aerobic systems not really working my strength and power like he was probably just shaking his head the whole time but anyhow I I you were a total blank slate oh yeah yeah (laughs) only improve you (laughs) he's like probably been waiting for me to ask him right he's like yes so anyhow he sort of takes me under his wing and coaches me we didn't live in the same town at that point but he uh, would email me you know my week like my workouts or whatever and I'd get back to him with a little bit of feedback then he'd send me the next little bit of, of training and it it went on like that. And so I had targeted a race in May of 2011, I think the Ottawa race, uh, a 10 K and I, and I wanted to do it in under 45 minutes. And so in April, like maybe six weeks out from the race, he had me just do a little 10 K, um, to, to test my fitness. And in that race, I ran like 43 something. Wow. And so we're like, Oh, okay. We better go back to the drawing board because I just, you know, blew your goal out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, so I said, okay, well, I guess maybe I'll try for under 43 minutes. So I ended up, I think doing, uh, 42, 26 in that Ottawa 10 K in 2011. But wait a minute, you went from (laughs) running 48 to 43. You knocked five minutes off your 10 K time. Yeah. With just a little bit of training. That is like, that's a more than 10% improvement. Yeah. Like so huge. I, like, I mean, I was hooked after that. I was like, really? Like, you know, do you think I could improve from 42? And Kevin's like, yeah, because you've just started, you know, I was, I basically was just a, a runner for like six months at right. that point. And, and so it went from there. Okay. So, um, the next year at that same race, I was 41, 47, the next year I was 40, 27 and, and that barrier, right? Like as runners, we have those, you know, time barriers sometimes. And, right. and so that, 40 minute uh, goal in the 10 K was always there for me. And the the next year in 2014, I ended up breaking 40 minutes and doing it in uh, 39.53. So that was kind of, you know, sort of 2011 to 2014. It was just like this upward slope that was quite addictive, to be honest with you. Like I did the uh, my 5k went in 2012 to 1930 and then 1917 and then 1858 finally in 2014. So I just remember in 2014, I had three goals at different distances, the the five, the 10 and the half. And uh, so I just mentioned like I broke 19 minutes in the 5k. Right. I broke 40 minutes in the 10K. And then the third one was the half marathon. And I wanted to break an hour 30. And 
that was sort of my first taste of failure, if if you want to call it that. And I we can argue about <laughs> whether that's the right word to use. What but in my failure? mind, yeah, in my mind, I had set these three goals. And on paper, the half marathon was the easiest of those three goals. But I'd done the, the 5K first in April and then the 10K in May. And my half was in September. And that year was like, I can just see the number 2014, like the year 2014 on paper and just have like a sinking feeling in my gut to this day, because it was just one of those years. Like my husband was deployed for seven and a half months overseas. Um, My kids were really little and quite a handful. (laughs) I was um, deep into starting my own business and I was training really, really hard. And so it was just like, obviously in retrospect, I can look back and go, yeah, like you were headed for breakdown, burnout. (laughs) It's so obvious, right? When you look back. But when I was in it, I was just so driven and I wanted to do all of this. But there was there was just a few things that had happened uh, right before the race that made me feel um, like I was just going into it with like doubt and so much dread. And can I really do this? And uh, those kind of negative thoughts, like really, really um, it was like a heavy backpack that I was wearing the whole race. And it, well, I shouldn't say the whole race, the, the first part of the race went well, I was actually really going well until about 15, 16 kilometers, which is, is kind of typical for half marathon, you know, the wheels sort of start to fall off then if they're going to fall off. And I was running along with this woman. Uh, I didn't know her, but we were obviously running the same speed and we were, you know, you almost make friends in a race. I don't know if you that's do. ever happened to you. You do, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so I made this friend and we were running along and it was like, she, it was just so great to, ha- even though we weren't talking to each other, just to have that companionship and um, just to know that she was pulling me along a little bit or then I would pull her along. And then all of a sudden at about 16 kilometers, she s- started to pull ahead of me. And I was like, oh no, like I just got flooded with, um, I, I don't think I can do this. And then it started to rain and I was like, oh my gosh, trying to hang on. And she got a little bit ahead of me and that, I think that just made it worse. Like mentally that made it worse for me. And anyways, I, to make a long story short, finished in an hour 30 and 21 seconds. And I was like, no, like one second per kilometer if I had to run faster. And I think just looking back, like I know I kind of self-sabotaged. Like I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I was like, didn't think I deserved it or I was physically burnt out. I'm not really sure, but I attempted again in November of that same year because this was part of the the goal, like to go sub 30, sub 130 this year. And I, so I drove all the way to Hamilton to run another half marathon and I was an hour thirty and 13 seconds. Wow. (laughs) So less than a second per kilometer. And again, it was the same thing. Like I knew I was going to, I knew that probably in the last 5k, like I, if I really wanted to, I could have done it, but I almost sabotaged. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. Like I just didn't think I deserve to be able to say that I achieved my goal, as odd as that sounds. And so that was, I guess, my first, uh, you know, when you're 
kind of a new runner, which I would would have classified myself as a new runner back in 2011. The first few years, it's pretty easy to keep getting better and better and better. And there comes a point where you actually have to put quite a lot more effort in to the training to yield even small improvements after that. And this law of diminishing returns, right? And so I was starting to kind of see what that was all about. And it did not feel good. (laughs) Um, But there was something in me that was like, just enamored with like working so hard for a goal and, and putting in the work and, you know, learning from setbacks and disappointment, leveraging them to turn around and and do better uh, the next time. And so in 2015, I had set a, um, a marathon goal Okay. For the spring. And so I ran a marathon in the spring. And then in the fall, I was like, I'm going back at this uh, half marathon. Like I have unfinished business here. And I changed up quite a a lot about my training, like in, in all the best ways. Like I really got out of any overtraining or running my easy days too hard. Like I just listened to my body. I backed off. I ran my easy days so slow. Like I had to actually not run with certain people anymore because mm-hmm. I knew that there would be that positive peer pressure in a way to to keep up with them. And I just wanted to really honor myself. So I did a lot more running on my own and um, it obviously still put in the workouts, the race pace specific stuff leading up to the race, which was in October. And I have never, ever run a race and felt so good, like just executed negative split, like could have just kept going at the end. And I actually broke not just an hour 30, but I broke an hour 29. So I was an hour 28, 53 for the half. So that felt amazing. And probably to date has been my most favorite run race that I've ever done. You were just in the zone that day. Oh yeah. yeah. It all came together. And sometimes that's all it is, right? Like I can look back and try to craft a narrative about what exactly it was and what I did, but honestly, maybe it was just the day. It was the right weather, uh, maybe the race environment, like who knows? So I don't like to ever take too much credit or um, blame myself too much either when, when things don't go my way or when things do. You know what, Carolyn, we've we've talked about this a little bit before. And as you're describing the year that was 2014 to me, <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a question for you. So we've kind of mentioned before that we in some ways have parallel lives. Uh, your husband was deployed for seven months. You had young kids. You were starting and running your own business. Um, but yet that was the year you decided you needed to break all of your running goals, uh, or meet all your running goals. Yeah. And, makes no sense. And right? <laughs> piled even more on top mm-hmm. of it all. I've mm-hmm. done that too. I've had, you know, almost the exact same situation. Why do we do that to ourselves? Well, what uh, is it? I mean, none of these things came unpredictably, presumably. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did you know your husband was being deployed in advance mm-hmm. of his deployment? Okay. Oh, yeah. So you had a bit of warning. Yeah. You, I mean, being a mom had already been there for several years. Yeah. You had this business on the go. Why, why do we drive ourselves? What I think we, there's are, a it, lot of, of pressure from all angles that we can do it all. I think we buy into the misunderstanding that we can do it all, we can have it all, and we can have it all at once. And I think it takes something 
that's important to you, like in this case, my running, like I know I can zoom out and say it's really not that important. Like I have perspective, but at the time it was like, this is what I'm dedicating myself to and I want to do really well at it. Um, I think it's very seductive to think that we can keep driving ourselves so hard and so hard and eventually right into the ground because we just don't listen to the warning signs. Like there were warning signs. If I look back for sure there were, but it's like, uh, we live in a no, no pain, no gain society. You can do it all like super mom. Like think of all the things people, like I probably was getting positive feedback, you know, from people in my yep. life, like, yep. wow, Look how at can her. you do she's, it all? She's doing yeah, so much. Yeah. Yeah. And- what, you know, do you ever find that the busier you get, the more you take on, the hardest to say no? Like, it's almost this yeah. positive feedback loop where yep. I have a million things on my plate, yet I can't, I'm going to add 10 more. Whereas yeah. when you're not busy, it's easy to say no. It's like, exactly. no, I'm going to pass on that opportunity. Yeah. But you get in this cycle sometimes where it's just more and more and more. And as runners, that happens on top of our real life. <laughs> and yeah. then it's, it's race upon race upon race upon race sometimes. And then when you finally gave yourself some grace to back mm-hmm. off a bit, listen to your body, took some of the pressure off the next year you had the race of your life. Yeah. Right. Like, Yeah. And I think sometimes these are things we can only learn through experience. Like no matter, there was probably people even, yep, there were definitely people at that time telling me to slow down, to back off. And I wasn't listening. Yeah. Have you had any kind of major life changing experiences while running? So not everybody has, but is there, are there times where you are just like, wow, like that was a pivotal moment in my life? I wouldn't say that I've had life-changing experiences while running. Um, like I know that's a that's a common thing probably in the ultra world, like the um, you know, yeah. long, long, long races. People sort of have those experiences. You're up all night, like you, you see God basically, you know. Um, I wouldn't say that I've had anything like that while I've been running. However, I I did have an experience in 2016 when I was running the Boston Marathon where okay. I I had quite high expectations of myself for that race because A, it's Boston and B, it was like, you know, my training had gone to a T, like it went so well. And we got to race day and, you know, Boston's in mid April. So you're training through the winter and you haven't had much, you're not acclimatized to running in the heat. Let's put it that way. So race day came and it's full sun, like 20 some degrees out. And I can remember you have to, you know, it doesn't start till I think wave one starts at 10 in the morning. So uh, my wave, I forget it was like 1030 or, or later. And I remember walking to the start line, just completely sweaty, you know, just <laughs> before. Walking. You even yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, Oh boy, I think I better adjust my, my goal here and, and sort of, you know, plan not to go out, adjust my race strategy and plan not to go out at what I thought. And I did, I backed off a little bit, but still I was too attached to a certain result. 
and a certain goal that I had that I ran way too fast. Like I, there were signs in the first 5k that I'm like, Ooh, I should not feel like this is hard at the 5k mark. Cause I have 42.2k to go. Right. And, uh, and I, I didn't listen to myself and it just kept getting worse. 10k. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> like I am only a quarter of the way through this. And finally like fifth. And I mean the Hills in Boston, they don't start till 15, 20k and so finally I got to about you know 18 or or 19 kilometers and I was just like full surrender (laughs) like okay I am either going to kill myself trying to maintain this pace or I could just say I'm running the freaking Boston Marathon let's just look around relax a little bit, enjoy the entire experience and just take that pressure off myself of any sort of time goal. And honestly, it was, they say a miracle is just a change in perspective. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is what that race was for me because when I finally stopped like gripping on so tight to an outcome that really meant nothing to anyone except for me and just chose instead to soak up everything that I could about this experience it just became the like I'm not going to say it was all of a sudden easy but it was a heck of a lot more enjoyable I never stopped to walk I there's this picture of me that my sister-in-law took on on the home stretch on Boylton Boylston Street and I'm like hands up like waving like smiling it was just like I just think like what a different picture that would be if I had chose to keep on grinding through those hills when I just clearly wasn't, um, it wasn't my day. So I think it's just learning to be humble. And, and I, it's always reminds me of that serenity prayer, like God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And that day it was just, that wisdom was just like, today is a day to enjoy, not a day to, um, you know, fall apart. (laughs) Well, you know, we all run for different reasons. In some races, you are almost literally punishing yourself. But especially in those long runs, we should run to reward ourselves, right? I truly believe that. Yeah. And if every race is a punishment, <laughs> like if you don't meet this pace, something's going to happen or, you know, you're hurting through the whole thing. I mean, we all have those kind of races and those kind of days. But when you can really run some races as gifts, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a key, that's a keystone in the entire, um, process. Yeah. Yeah. So what has, you've already told me a lot about running has taught you, you know, humility and, and acceptance, but are there any other things that running has, has taught you that you've applied to other parts of your life? Well, I, I like the metaphor of running for, for life really just in that it's, not about any one day or one workout or anything. It's just showing up day after day, just that commitment to something, the hard work, the pride that you feel when you've challenged yourself, um, the opportunity to, again, like have that miracle, <laughs> that shift yeah. in perspective, yeah. working through disappointment or setbacks and just continuing to show up and recommit. Like, I really think that, like each year I reflect on the year 
that's just passed. And I say like, what went well, what didn't go so well, what do I want to change? And, and then I bring that into my running for the next year, or as I'm setting those goals, it's like kind of from that intention of like, what am I getting out of this? Because again, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, no one cares about this, but me and why, what is it that I love about it that is getting me out the door all of these, (laughs) all of these days and in all of this crappy weather or whatever it is. And I think it's just, um, a faith in that I can do hard things, um, that I can show up for myself and, and follow through. And I think that is just a a great metaphor for life. Absolutely. So you've become a more confident, resilient person because you've proven you can do hard things Exactly, and you can follow through with them and you can get the job done. Yeah. And as I've gotten older too, I mean, I'm 42 right now. Um, and I've noticed, you know, I haven't been running for too long. I, I guess I started uh, nine years ago or so. So I was in my early 30s when I started, and now I'm in my early 40s. Um, my, I'm a different person. We, we all are different people, like, every day. You know? Know. And I think I want, I've really through that aging, if you will, um, wisdom, I've, I've gained that wisdom, I guess, of... Um, learning better to listen to my body not just it's like a platitude or sometimes people just say that (laughs) and they don't really know what they're saying right but it's like I I will um take a day off I will I've been known to just cut workouts right in the middle of them like nope I'm not feeling it today there's no point in pushing myself when I don't you know when I'm feeling this bad I've learned to take what my body gives me each day and nothing more and I've learned to not make too much meaning out of a bad day because really it might be nothing more than just I'm having a bad day. Right. Awesome. Not awesome that you had a bad day, but an <laughs> awesome uh, self-awareness moment yes. <laughs> that you came to, you've come to because of that. Yeah. So running has given you a lot in your life. Um, so I want to talk about what you consider your biggest accomplishments, both let's start with running. So what would you consider your crown moment to date? Because there could still be even bigger accomplishments coming in the future, (laughs) but what is your biggest running accomplishment? Well, I think it's easy to fall back on those, you know, PRs and stuff. Like I've mentioned some of them, but honestly, I, what I consider my biggest accomplishment is actually has nothing to do with myself. It's that I've been able to inspire so many other people, whether it's through coaching or volunteering or just being part of a running community. Um, I've inspired other people to give the sport a try or to look at things differently in the sport, like those, those changes in perception or mindset, if you will. And I really think that that is probably my biggest accomplishment. Um, also our kids, like we have uh, two kids, a 10-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy, and they didn't used to like running all that much, but we've just exposed them. We've never f- pressured them or forced them into running if they don't want to, but gradually as they've gotten a little bit older, they've started dabbling in it, and now they're at the point where they're running uh, a mile a day, we challenged them, like, you know, once we saw that there was some interest there, we, we challenged them, like, 
you know, instead of doing anything heroic, you know, like the, the 5k that I used to do when I was that age and, and hating every step of it. Um, why don't you just like go out and run around uh, the block for a mile every day? Why don't you sh- see what it feels like to commit to something like that? Because it is completely doable, you know, and now we'll wake up in the morning and our dot will be like, where, where's Elise? And lo and behold, she's out for her mile run in the That's morning. Awesome. <laughs> and so That's the, the pride, amazing. because I know she's doing it because she wants to do it. She's starting to feel that intrinsic motivation of like, I'm not doing right. this to please my parents. I'm doing this because it feels good to start my day like this. And she'll come back and she'll say, I can't believe it. Like I've already been for a run and Trevor's still asleep or whatever it is. And I, I think just giving kids that experience, you know, in their bones, not just in their <laughs> mind. Right. Right. Of, um, of, wow, this does feel good. And then it becomes pleasurable just for its own sake, not because you're necessarily motivated by anything externally. So you're giving her the gift of a good relationship with running from a young age rather than the, the California run puke every year start. Yeah. <laughs> Not well, saying what your family did was wrong. No, no, no. I, I, uh, yes, you nailed it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, I want to circle back a little bit to, to your running for a minute. Um, we kind of fell off a cliff in 2015. What's happened since then? What kind of running are you doing now? What's our, what is your kind of go-to distance? Tell me a little bit about your, your current weekly training. What's it like? Well, in, in 2015 and 2016, I did marathons those years. So in 2015, I did the Vermont City Marathon, and that's what qualified me for Boston, which is what I did in the spring of 2016. And then in the summer of 2016, we moved. So we did a, a big cross-country move from Ontario to um, Vancouver Island. And that was kind of, that was magical in so many ways that we don't have time for on this podcast. I just loved our two years out on Vancouver Island. It's just so beautiful out there to run, as you know. And the running community out there was so vibrant and tight knit. And there was all kinds of different running experiences than I was used to in Ontario, just weather related, right? Like in Ontario, it's kind of, you got your spring season and your fall season, and there's not too much that goes on in the winter and summer. Just right. Because it's too, too cold or hot. But in, on Vancouver Island, they had this phenomenal Vancouver Island race series every January to March or April. January to April. April. So like yeah. prime racing season was the dead of winter, but it didn't feel yeah. like the dead of winter because it's Vancouver Island, this magical right. place. <laughs> and so the, what was fun about that series of races, so it was eight races over maybe three and a half months, three, three and a half months. So you'd race every other week and the distances ranged from 5k to the half marathon. So and you raced as uh, against other clubs. So our Comox Valley Roadrunner Club would race against, you know, the club from Nanaimo and the clubs from Victoria and all of that. And each, you know, depending on how you did in your age group in in these different races, you amassed different uh, different points. Um, and then the points would go towards your team. And and at the end of the whole thing, at the end of the eight races, then you know a winner right. would be awarded and and 
Comox was pretty small compared to some of the other clubs from Nanaimo and, and Victoria, for example. And the year that, so I joined in 2016. So that first winter was 2017. And, and the winter before, so just before I got there, uh, that series, the, the CVRR had won. So they had this title to defend. I think it was that year that they won. But anyways, it was just everyone, all anyone could talk about was like, oh, yeah, we took the title that year and we, you know, we need you on the team. So it turned racing from this like kind of individual pursuit into this really like team feel. Mm -hmm. And so even though the distances were distances I was familiar with, 5Ks, 8Ks, 10Ks, whatever, um, the the way that it felt to me was really different, like kind of cross country style in a way, where you're okay, you're right. really um, part of something bigger, and I loved that. So I did that for the the two years that we lived out on Vancouver Island, and then uh, now what am I doing? <laughs> now it's COVID, and there's no races, Kim. No right. races. <laughs> But but, I, but okay, let's like you're not running marathons now. I know I happen to know in the recent months you you're you're a speedy what I would call short distance runner, five mm-hmm. uh, k's, ten k's, correct? Yeah, mostly five and tens. Yeah. I've been yeah. doing since we lived here. Not too many, and uh, in fact, I was scheduled to run the Chicago marathon because last year on my birthday, I, my birthday is in October and I ran a 5k, I think that weekend of my birthday and I had just turned 42 and I, it just dawned on me when I crossed the finish line of that 5k, I was like 42, maybe this is a good year to run another marathon. Cause it's been since mm. 2016 and I threw it up on, on social media and I'm like, am I crazy or what do people think? And it was just like, do it, do it only if you want to like do it. Yeah. You know? So I was like, huh, I got to sit on this for a little bit and just make sure I'm doing it for the right reasons. And I, I thought about it for a couple months and I ended up signing up for the Chicago marathon, which is October 11th. So it'll be a couple weeks shy of my 43rd birthday. So it was full on project 42 at 42. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I was so excited about it. And, you know, it was one of the last of the major marathons to officially cancel. But we just found out a couple weeks ago that it is not going on. And I'm still holding on to hope that the Manitoba Marathon, which is normally Father's Day, right here in our fine city of Winnipeg. Um, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that they'll be able to go ahead with a live event, obviously modified and to social distance, respect social distancing and everything, but um, they have supposed to be Thanksgiving. I believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thanksgiving Sunday. So I really, so I am in full on marathon training at the moment. So I think I'm on week seven of my 18 week program. I think I have 11 weeks to go. Excellent. So it's going very well. I'm not injured. I'm feeling really strong and and good. And uh, yeah, cautiously optimistic that I may be able to get another another race, another marathon in the bank by this fall. So we'll see. Before you turn 43. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay, so um, the title of, uh, of our podcast is Inspired Souls, and you and I really um, brainstormed and did thought exercises for quite a while to come up with that name. Um, so I want to ask you along that theme, who or what has inspired you the most 
when it comes to running and why? Mm. This is an easy one for me because I grew up in a family with a rock star (laughs) uh, brother. So he was only 20 months older than me, but just a runner like from the get-go, like from birth, I feel like he was just running, like just a natural. And so I would watch him and he ended up being, uh, you know, like a 221 marathoner, like ran on national Canadian national teams and everything. So like very accomplished runner, I would say in his late mid to late twenties was probably his, um, his peak, but, um, he was just incredibly inspiring to watch, even though I wasn't really partaking. I wasn't a runner as we were growing up together necessarily. It was more um, later later on in my life when he started to coach me. But I would watch his discipline. You know, even from a young age, I think fourth grade, he would get up in the morning and my dad would actually go with him. And they would go for, you know, three to five kilometer run before school. You know, and he'd do like two a days. Like, you know, I, I, it would be everything for me to just go out for like a 30 minute run and again, come back the red face and, oh boy, that was hard, you know? And he he, would, he probably, he must have liked doing it to some extent. Yeah. It was a positive thing. People inspire you not because they make something look horrible, but because they make it look Mm -hmm. awesome and fun. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like it was clear that, I wasn't get, I didn't have what he had, right? Like, yeah, you wanted a piece of what he had. I did. I did. And uh, yeah, so I think just that seed was planted very early on in my life. Like, hmm, maybe, maybe that's possible, you know? And that's great. And yeah, and then he became my coach, as I mentioned, and, and very, to this day is still, um, is still a coach to me. Like, I'll, I'll go to him and, uh, and ask for advice a lot. <laughs> and, so for uh, our listeners, here's a little teaser. We will be having Kevin on the podcast in a few episodes mm-hmm. uh, to talk a bit about uh, his coaching and and how he um, inspired Carolyn from his perspective, mm-hmm. too. So stay tuned for that. Yes. It's going to be a good one. Um, okay. Um just, I, I wanted to just do a little bit of an exploration into your coaching. So you mentioned that you are a run coach. And again, along the lines of inspiring uh, souls, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, foot souls, as well as heart souls when it comes to running, I know you feel very passionately about um, your philosophy as a run coach. So can you tell us a little bit about how you approach coaching? Yeah. So uh, I don't want anyone to feel about running the way that I felt about running when I first started. <laughs> so my my mission is to help people fall in love with running from the get-go. So it doesn't matter where you're starting from, you know, if you're like a couch potato or if you have a little bit of experience or or you're, you know, have been running for decades, I take somebody where they are and help them, you know, just fall in love with that process, right? And help them really improve uh, improve their fitness without compromising their health. Like I, I think so many of us um, do improve our fitness, but end up 
going to the well a little bit too much and and falling mm-hmm. apart, like even as I mentioned in my own story, right? Because it's seductive and there's these cultural pressures and peer pressures and all of these things that really have us overtraining fairly quickly. So I'm really careful with my clients to make sure that they stay out of that overtraining pattern and really become quite process oriented. And by that, I just mean like, you know, we're in constant communication. Uh, I want them to fall in love with that process. I want them to really understand the point of every run so that they know what, what the outcome should be, you know? Right. So if the day is supposed to be easy, then I'll give them a a pace target to not go faster than, you know, okay. or I'll have yeah. them, you know, if they wear a heart rate monitor, I'll have them, you know, stay below a certain heart rate because right. I think it's very easy to get, you know, if if you say go for a 8K run, then the temptation is to do it a little bit too fast just to get it done. But if I say right. the point of the 8K run is aerobic development and you're going to negate all of the benefits of that if you go too fast. So let's do that 8K run, but go no faster than this or no higher of a heart rate than this. And then they really understand, like I empower them with a lot of information of well, you're an educator, why not we're doing. Coach, yeah. Right? You're yeah. educating them as to the why. And then they come to those conclusions on their own rather than getting... Exactly. Like, I think it's easier to get buy-in from people if you're really forthcoming with why, 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 why are we doing it like this? And the other thing I'm huge on, maybe this is just my physiotherapy background, is injury prevention, because it is so common. Injuries are so, running injuries are so common. And I work with, you know, a lot of master's athletes, and we need to be a little bit more careful. We need to, you know, respect our, our bodies, And we need some kind of regular practice where we're focusing on, you know, the ancillary work, right? Like the, the hip mobility, the core strength, the hip strength, um, the sleep, the nutrition, right? So all of that really, um, it is something that I focus a lot on. Um, you know, it's, it's good it's, to have somebody to have that higher level view outside of you to yes. give you that guidance. I know as a running physiotherapist myself, like you just said, sometimes holding people back is harder than pushing them mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. And it is way harder to stop sometimes than it is to keep going. And a coach can give you that permission that it's okay to stop. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, is it okay, but it's imperative. You do that. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then it takes it off you. Then, then there's less self guilt. There's less bargaining. There's less beating yourself up. No, my coach says I have to take the week off and I have to bike instead or something. Yeah. Well, and I think that the people that are most drawn to the sport of running are those type a highly motivated, highly driven type of person. And so, yeah, like if I can be, I always say like, just blame me. (laughs) Like I'm, you know, if, if you don't get better or you don't get your result or whatever, blame me for being the one that's had you running, you know, too slow or taking a day off or being overly cautious. Um, because, and really what most of my clients find is like, wow, I can, I can even improve on, by doing so much less than I thought I needed to do. And that's our mindset that gets in the way. Like as those type A people, we think more, 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 but really often it's less is more. Absolutely. 
So, Carolyn, we're just starting out this this journey into this podcast thing. <laughs> um, what what are your hopes for this podcast? What are you hoping to create and share with this platform? Well, there's a lot of running podcasts, and I actually listen to to tons of running podcasts. But the the hole in um, and and I mean like H O L E, <laughs> the the hole that I noticed in the podcasting world is there's nothing that brings the worlds of trail running and road running together. So I'm a road runner, you're a trail runner. And I think all runners are super, any runner I've ever met anyways, are is a super cool person. And I really think everybody has a story. And I don't care whether you're the elite of the elite or a back of the packer. Um, I think everybody's story is equally um inspiring. And I think we learn really well through stories too. And so I know anytime I've listened to a runner sort of tell their story, not even just about running, because I think we bring the the mindset that we bring to running is also the same mindset that we bring to a lot of other areas of our lives. And I've just found, you know, the coolest people through my running friendships in every city that I've lived in. And I just wanted to have a platform to, to talk with these people and pick their brains and learn from them and, and connect them with each other. And uh, yeah, I'm just super pumped about this podcast. It's been kind of on my bucket list for a long, long time. Well, you know, you just want an excuse to talk running a little bit more. I do. Uh, <laughs> people don't have to tell you to stop talking about running. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So we end, we are going to be ending every podcast with a five rapid fire questions, just basically very short answer. So I'm going to throw those at you right now, if you're okay with that. Fire away. Okay. So first off, what is your favorite mantra? Mine is life is now. And the reason I say that, I, I tend to fall back on this one when things get hard, whether it's life or whether it's, you know, at 3K of a 5K race. Uh, I say life is right now. Like whatever is happening right here, right now is what needs my focus and what needs my attention. And it, I think it's just like a, a quick little thing that helps me center myself and bring me back to the present moment. What is your favorite place to run? Where would you run tomorrow if you could teleport yourself anywhere? Hands down, Seal Bay in Comox. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Anybody that's ever been there, I used to call it Fern Gully. Mm. It's like just these this switchbacks down to the beach of never-ending ferns and big old growth forest, and it's just the most beautiful place in the world. You just feel so much healthier when you're breathing in a big gulp of air from Seal Bay. Yeah. The air actually satiates my hunger when I breathe there, literally. Like, yeah. it is so thick with good stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So- We've, we've established Seal Bay is an awesome place to run. What are your bucket list runs? Um, which ones are still on your list? Well, Chicago. Okay. <laughs> but it's been canceled. But I think maybe someday I will I will head back to Chicago and, and take that one off the bucket list. Um, what is your favorite running book? My favorite running book is by Dina Castor who is a U.S. Olympic uh, marathon runner, bronze medalist at the Athen Athens Olympics. And she wrote a fantastic book called Let Your Mind Run. And what I love about that, which I'm sure you can appreciate from this interview, is that obviously she's an 
extremely talented runner, but it really wasn't until she sort of put her physical talent to one side and really worked on the mental side of running that she unlocked like higher levels of uh, potential and achievement in her running. And so it's kind of a, a memoir of like, you know, there's lovely stories about all of her running from early, early days to the present. And it was just such a page turner for me. So let your mind run by Dina Castor. Okay. Final question. What is your favorite post run indulgence? This is easy. Red wine. Ah. <laughs> a nice full bodied glass of cab soap. Do you have a glass that says run, done, wine now? Have you seen those? No, but I need that. Oh, I actually got that glass. It's etched with that logo for um, one of my closest friends, Sarah, who you will also be meeting on the podcast eventually. Mm-hmm. After our first, my first ultra, we we had a toast oh. with run, done, wine, now glasses. Yeah, I got to look into that. Yeah. Okay, now I know what to get you for Christmas. Okay. <laughs> All right, Carolyn. Well, thank you so much for telling us a little bit more about yourself and um, your running story. And I'm looking really forward to um, hearing other people's stories as we uh, go along in this podcasting adventure. Mm -hmm. I am so excited to be doing this. I can't think of a better co-host. Well, me either. So (laughs) on that note, um, we will connect with you for the next episode. All right. This was fun. Thank you so much.